So I was talking to our father today ahead of the scheduled episode on Finland. And uh, I remember our grandfather telling us random stories about being up in Scandinavia. And I shot you a note and you had zero recollection of the one that I'm about the story I'm about to tell. Because I called dad and he backed up absolutely everything that I had like these little tendrils of information. So our grandfather and dad lived in Sweden in the 50s for a couple of years. Weirdly, his dad was almost born there, but that's a different story. So his job was associated with the British Embassy in Stockholm, but his real job was a spy. So what would happen was whenever a Russian fighter pilot would want to defect or accidentally crash in Finland, which was neutral during the, during the war, the uh, Cold War, Grandpa's job was to sprint into Finland, grab the MiG, check all the technology, see what the Russians were doing before the Russians got into Finland and shot him. So he would have to run up there with a uh, car full of booze to bribe the border agents, get into the country, hopefully have no uh, language barriers, see what technology they could steal, and get it back to Stockholm. And that is one of the coolest stories I've ever heard. And I was like, I remember MiGs third world war if this goes wrong and finland from my childhood and then dad just filled in the blanks for me yeah i know that uh our our grandfather's cold war expedition uh yeah yeah exactly adventures um were sort of yeah don't 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 worry about it don't worry about it uh and then he would tell these stories when (laughs) when he was in his 80s and 90s that were just like you're sitting there looking at each other going is he is he supposed to be telling us this (laughs) <laughs> exactly and it's like oh yeah, and then i was in oman when the coup happened i'm like oh jesus what else did you we not get gleaned yeah. from before yeah and there's very little about him on the internet as well for fairly obvious reasons that those those little uh activities never really um made the official records or at least not the declassified records that i'm sure that they would make for some exactly. excellent reading because that was a very interesting period and Scandinavia's history as well throughout the Cold War. If you've read the, the Ben McIntyre book um, that just came out what, a couple of years ago, that's uh, exactly what happened. Well, but I guess we yeah, should get into it. Welcome to episode seven of Mastication Nation, the podcast that uh, leads with spy stories now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're a food slash espionage. Yeah. Um, the book I was talking about this is spy, the Spy and the Traitor. This is well worth reading. Uh, yeah, that I mean, so we are we're doing Finland. F F was surprisingly there wasn't a lot to, to pick from. France, I think, would have been too difficult to do or too broad. Too, yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. There's just so much to cover that we couldn't have done justice. Uh, the Faroe Islands, I don't know how anything about their food frankly hey you guys can go there it's on your it is list. i know that along in the falklands and then south south, south georgia. georgia and then about three or four other countries that we're not allowed to even go into in the first place um <laughs> but yeah and then um fiji neither of us have been to although our father lived there for a little bit um yeah and then this, so but this finland I, you know i've been there a few times um, we have some Finnish friends, Paul, Papa Dimitri, uh, his mother was Finnish and uh, actually floated one of the dishes over to us to include. That was a childhood favorite of his. We'll get onto that uh, a little bit later. But yeah, I, I'm looking forward yeah. to this one. But before we get into the nitty gritty, we have a little bit of uh, 
of stuff to catch up because we haven't we were we were doing a pretty good rhythm of every two weeks but uh, then life got in the way a little bit but here we are back saturday the 8th of may and um you guys a lot of people i don't know about you but a lot of people got in touch with me saying they really enjoyed the ethiopia episode despite us um <laughs> because they had no visibility into it as a country because you know we talked quite mm-hmm. quite a lot about so more more than we usually do about a country, about its history, um, and development and culture and its diaspora and all that, but they they'd never even considered the food. Uh, and uh, a few people have reached out and said, "Yeah, I I, I went and you you were right. There's there is an Ethiopian restaurant in my town, uh, as just like we said there would be, and the food was amazing. Uh, so that was that was really satisfying. And a couple of people who are who are not Ethiopian but have lived in and around the area said." Yeah, you did. You did a pretty serviceable job, which is always nice to hear for places we've never really properly been to. Yeah, exactly. That's I, I was, to your point about like a little bit. We did a little bit more on the history and the um, you know just cultural background of that country. I, same with Finland. Um, you know, there are going to be certain countries where it's just you need to go back in history a little bit because it it plays such a important role in where they are mm. now. And so you know. Depending on the countries we do moving forward, that if people enjoy that, we'll do a little bit more of that. Yeah, yeah, and it. What I think we're learning as we go on, when I mean, this is the sixth country that we will we will have done, is that food and culture and history are intrinsically linked, and geopolitics as well. Uh, so mm-hmm. we will touch more on that than we would, I think, when we cover something as broad as a dish like chili or nachos. You know, we'll touch on it a little bit, but. <laughs> You know, in terms of origin story, but not um, not to the level that we will hear. And how, you know, so many of these modern places, like, you know, you can find Ethiopian food here, and it's all been sort of used with what ingredients they can find. And, you know, a lot of countries are just taking, or a lot of uh, diaspora food mm. is now almost hybridized, um, which actually brings me on to a point. <clears throat> Fear of range. Um, mm. What the hell were you eating the other day? It was from Blue Ribbon Corn Dogs. And it was a hot dog that had been inserted into a dill okay. pickle that had been deep fried and then smothered with peanut butter. I don't know whose country you pissed off there, but like that is not okay. I'm sure. Wait, so, okay, oh, I'm looking at the pictures now. Okay, so it is a sauce, a hot dog on a stick that's been, as you say, rammed inside of a hollowed out dill pickle and then the mm-hmm. traditional corn dog batter right. and then deep fried. And then smeared with peanut butter. I'm trying to imagine what that tastes like. I feel like like a pregnant woman oh. is the only person that would ever Did want he, that. That's like every single. He like, didn't actually say in his in his post whether it was, or if he's even still not, alive. No, but he's, yeah, it's just blue blue ribbon corn dogs. I'm assuming somewhere yeah. in SoCal. So, yeah, that's a a bit of an abomination there. But would love if you to don't, hear. yeah, I want yeah. Get please tell us. Um, if you don't follow Fear Ranges, F E A R R A N G E on Instagram, he he always posts the most amazing food in Southern California, but also the most amazing cars. And the reason that Alex is bringing this up is because uh, we thank you, Fear Range, but for the last couple episodes, he always takes photos of our podcast on the center console of whatever entertainment system. Supercar. Whatever supercar. Yeah, some Aston Martin so or Lamborghini. This, this low-budget production in a, in a million-dollar car, which we're very, very yeah. uh, appreciative of. 
It's fun. It's fun, and he's he's a, he's got some great stuff and some phenomenal food tips. I think for Southern California, Fearange and Eric Wareheim mm-hmm. are my uh, my my sources of inspiration. I have a Google Maps is just covered in hearts of all these places. I need to need to check out from those two. But That's yeah, awesome. I it was um we, we a lot of activity this week on social media. We had um. Chris Ratcliffe got in touch directly with you. Yeah, did you did which, you watch uh, this video? Which which food with food science? Um, n- I hadn't watched the video, but I had heard of this device. Yeah. So Chris uh, messaged me and said, uh, "I saw this Im- and immediately thought you'd dig it." I also started shouting things like sugar content and my odd reaction at the screen. Again, I'm sure channeling your good stuff. Um, so basically what it is, is, and it's a fun little backstory here. It's an Unbox Therapy, who are a YouTube channel um, do, that does technology unboxings. Um, they did a video where they got like the most expensive, best quality toast in the world and did a taste test against a $10, you know, run of the mill crappy one. Funny thing is I used to work selling ads into Unbox Therapy. I know those guys pretty well. Um, so it was funny when they popped back up into my timeline. Um, but the, the video is they have this Japanese Mitsubishi $400, can only do one pizza toast at a time um, toaster versus the, you know, the regular one. And they use uh, regular supermarket bread and then good bread and do you know one of each in, in both and see what the difference is. And while it is $400, they use a fuzzy logic like they use in um, and rice cookers to constantly make the bread as fluffy in the inside as it should be crisp on the outside. And you see the steam coming out of it. And the the, the booklet that they're looking through, you see that um, quintessential Japanese egg sandwich thing. And I'm thinking the reason that they can't get it good in America is probably because they don't have fuzzy logic toasters or, you know, <laughs> to make it happen. And like, it, yeah, it's a little expensive. But, you know, if you really need good toast, I think this is the place to go. Japan has become a famous f- for so many things, and now toast and bread is one of them. Um, Just do simple things well. That's all you need. Well, Don't that's what. With- yeah, that's what Japan is so good at: taking a well, well-worn concept and then just perfecting it. Really. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but yes, I, I I hadn't seen it before you sent it to me, but I love those guys up in Canada, those crazy unboxers. Um, and then we had uh, James Haddon, who had. Have been saving a the, the the mustard episode from the last oh, go wow, around, the... James. Why, yeah, why were you saving it? You said I've been saving this episode. Just listened to it and loved it. Obsessed with English mustard mm. and adore adore. Is it Malay or Mili? I don't oh, know. The, the Dijon. Yeah. Um, have a have a cupboard have a cupboard full of the stoneware Crocs, which I hopefully can refill in the post COVID world in the Piccadilly shop next time I'm in town. Ooh. And I said that that's my favorite uh, Dijon mustard. Is there? Yeah, brand. me too. Um, I've been to Dijon, and uh, they do indeed have good mustard. <laughs> <laughs> One would hope. Um, but yeah, I did exactly. Like I. What's weird is you can find Dijon mustard by like Whole Foods and stuff like that, and just not as good. And I always get disappointed until I go find There's, you know, one that I recognize. Yeah, it makes a great base for sauces. I find. Cream and then, sauces. lastly, did you did you see this like thread by uh, Pimp My Dibber? I did. Ben. Yeah. <laughs> who's a who's a little bit? Yeah. Uh, so, Ben Ben has been yeah Ben is great. Ben is a is a what would you call him? He's like a food experimenter. Like he'll go off on these like 
arcs. Culinary trailblazers. Yeah. Well, and he's like, you know, it's sourdough for for days. Like, you know, I remember him doing it months and months and months and months of trying to perfect his sourdough. But he, going back to the steak thing, that your off the cuff comments about, you know, the the various cuts of steak. Yeah. And he said, um, I love steak and was passed an awesome sauce for Bavette by a guy called Philippe who claims to be French. (laughs) (laughs) It's about 15 tweets long and it goes into an excruciating detail. So I definitely will uh, repost it um, once this episode comes out. It's got pushing 20 ingredients for this sauce. Yes. And it's it's not for the faint of heart, but just looking at the process and the ingredients, it sounds delicious. So... Uh, when I have the time for that, I will. I will. I will speaking be of uh, speaking of delicious, do I do I even need to ask what your best thing since we ate well, last recorded? Oh my was. god! No, no, it's it's so easy. So I uh, I was in California recently and uh, was in the city with Megan and she works uh, when, when the offices were open um, in the sort of city hall is civic center area and uh she, we had to go to this place we had to go to this place i'm like all right all right and she basically hasn't never stopped talking about it and i didn't actually know what it was other than they do burritos and it's called senior seasick and it's on valencia and i think they, they you told me they had a food cart that that was more in the area that used to work but or food truck this was the 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 restaurant and it's it's Filipino Mexican fusion, and I looked at the menu and I was, I was like, okay, well, this is gonna work for me. This is this is fantastic, <laughs> and it was exactly what you would expect it to be. Um, it was uh, Mexican Filipino fusion. So I had a tasalog burrito, which was Filipino sweet pork, adobo garlic rice, tomato fried egg, a burrito. And it was insane. It was one of the best burritos I ever had. I tried Megan's, which she had a California burrito, which had the French fries in it. And that was the best burrito I've ever had in my life. So that was a traditional burrito uh, with chicken and then the fries to make it a California burrito. Cheese, sour cream, guac, and pico. Just, Alex has not stopped uh, shutting up about this since he had it. I, I, I literally it, like, yeah, it, comes up on social media constantly or our internal WhatsApp groups. It was revelatory. Uh, it was so good. And I have not stopped thinking about it. And I had it with um, chili, chicharrones? lime, chicharron, which mm-hmm. just because uh, I want, I saw them on the menu. And I was like, well, obviously I have to try those. Uh, and so yeah. in. In the Bay Area, we have – well, they do have. I don't live there anymore. Um, off the grid, which is where all the food trucks come and, like, get a, a, go into a parking lot in the evenings or lunchtimes. Um, and also all the sort of, you know, uh, flea markets and stuff like that that is always there. So I'm the, the roving bands of, of food trucks uh, at farmer's markets as well, you know, are way more famous usually than the brick and mortar themselves. And that one is one of the most famous – um, the other one that everybody knows, uh, which also has a physical location is curry up now that does curry burritos, uh, seeking a trend here. Burritos are easy to do out of a food truck. Um, and then I gave you a link to like, based on the regions of the Bay area, what the best, um, food truck is, you know? Yeah, that was beach. a great article. So yeah, when, when the world opens back up and you're in California a little bit more, 
um, long, t- not long term, but like, you know, for the, for a longer vacation, you'll be able to tick them off as you hit them all. I think I took you to Roly Roti once, which was the pork, uh, porchetta sandwiches. That was They're really good. They're also very famous. Yeah. Really good. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I still think about that pretty much every day, but, uh, what about you? What have you discovered in your neck of the woods? So I feel a bit like, um, I know this is a, like, you know, you got to take the accomplishments where you can get them in the world we find. I said I wanted hot chicken, and I mm. got hot chicken. Nice. So I feel like, you know, I achieved something. Um, it was the barbecue place down the street, uh, GQ Barbecue, which I have mentioned on the podcast before. Almost like, you know, almost like an iPhone listening to your conversations and then showing you an ad. Uh, a week after we recorded, uh, they, they did a, the GQ Barbecue did a special on uh, on. Wow, really? Uh, on their chicken, yeah, yeah, which was super weird. So one lunchtime, I went out there and, and grabbed one, and it, it was freaking huge. And so I was able to split it with my wife, and it was only ten ninety nine, but it was a ten ounce Nashville smoked hot chicken sandwich. So the ten ounce was just the chicken itself. Holy shit! It was, uh, yeah, it was huge mutant chicken breast. So it's been oh, it's breast. That's sauce. interesting. Yeah, brined in hot sauce. Um, uh, and you know all the other fixins, then smoked, then deep fried, uh, and then painted in uh, in hot sauce. And it comes with you know the classic white bread, coleslaw, pickles. Hands down, I was really worried that like my cravings were going to be let down because they you know never meet your heroes and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but it really, it really lived up to expectations. Good sandwich reference there. I like that. <laughs> Oh yeah, never never meet your grinders. <laughs> that has a different connotation these days. Sorry. Um, <laughs> well, I'm glad yeah, you, I'm glad you got that fix. Exactly, exactly. Because I hate that um, when that happens, and you're just like, I need. When you right can't now. find it, mm-hmm. yeah, it's like I don't want to. Gold Belly is too expensive to order it in from Nashville. Uh, so, what are you drinking? Uh, yeah. So our, um, I I'm drinking white wine. <laughs> okay. It's Saturday night. Why the hell not? Uh, I'm drinking. I'm drinking English wine. I'm drinking Chapel Down. Chapel Down uh, Flint Dry from Tenterden, uh, just up the road from me. Literally, this is Chapel Down. I, I'm very sure I've, I've had it on the podcast before. They provided the wine, or at least I think the sparkling wine for William and Ka- other William and Kate, <laughs> Royal William and Kate, their Sorry. wedding. <laughs> uh, it's good. It's good. It's um. I don't drink a lot of white wine, but it just felt like. I don't know. It's good. You? Um, I am, well, real quick about the wine there. I'm in a group chat with uh, Sir Greg Banyas and Nick right now, and we're talking about, I don't know how we got onto this, but we started talking about, um, you know, there's a character on 30 Rock uh, played by uh, Michael Sheen called uh, Wesley Snipes. And it's like, who should be called Wesley Snipes, the pale English man every time? Yeah. Um, and there's an episode where, like, they're trying to track him down. So they go to uh, a tour of the Scottish uh, wine, uh, Highland wines. And uh, he says, uh, most restaurants won't refuse to serve it. <laughs> and so it's like, it's made me think of that. Like, I'm drinking uh, Upslope Craft Lager, which uh, is very ubiquitous in this area. It's like... If you go to any restaurant or any supermarket, you'll be able to find this pretty much everywhere. And it's like a typical nice uh, lager from... It's Boulder, the, no? Uh, Boulder. Boulder, yeah. Nice. What's funny, what's funny though, is that like, you know, um, just 25 minutes down the road is, is Golden, which is where Coors is. Nobody drinks Coors here. Like, it's so strange. Yeah, like, I think it's one of those things like... Uh, 
um, Carlsberg. You don't see a. I mean, you you can get it in Denmark, but it's far more famous and ubiquitous outside of Denmark. Yeah, exactly. Um, speaking of beers, when I was in the Bay Area recently, um, I was drinking a Berkeley beer, quite famous. Fieldworks. Nope. Trumer. Trumer. Yeah, that was literally from my old house. The the I don't know if you ever went to it. It's the two story one. Um, you could stand in the backyard, throw a tennis ball, and hit it. Uh, hit the brewery. It was. I was on Seventh Street. It was on Fourth Street. So you had the really good arm, but you know it's only you know three blocks away. No, it's good. It was really good. I was driving me crazy. Um, but yeah, so I think we're 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 well fed and lubricated here. I think Finland. Um, it's going to be an interesting one because it's an interesting country. Um, they don't have they don't have a sterling reputation food wise, and I think that's unfair because wh- whatever I think of the Nordics, and it's it's important to emphasize that Finland is not part of Scandinavia. No, it's, they are it's, not. It, they are part of the the Nordics, and that's why they have their own airline. They have Finnair. Which is, and then the other Nordic countries have SAS, Scandinavian Air System, which covers um, the other lot. Uh, yeah, what, so they're not part of the Scandinavian Peninsula. They don't speak their language is completely inaccessible to Denmark, to to, Sweden, yeah. to Norway. Yeah, and um, they. Um, but whenever I think of the food from that region, I auto, I always think f- fresh, like ultra fresh, clean, pretty good for you. Heavy drinkers. Yeah. <laughs> Heavy drinkers, absolutely. And yes, I th- they're a big foraging country um, and big, like, you got to remember that they were part of Sweden for 700 years. And then, so that was massively influenced. And then they were part of uh, Russia for 100 years until the early 20th century. So there's big influences there. You're going to see it in a lot of what we're talking about. But you also got to remember, it is an incredibly cold and short growing cycle uh, country, so there is a lot of preservation like there would be in Russia. Um, <clears throat> doesn't have the same level of um, warm currents that go past it like you know the rest of Scandinavia. It is bound by the Baltic um, and Scan and Russia. But your point about like getting a bad rap, uh, did you did you read these quotes I, d- I found? Uh, I I did. I, they're pretty good. Yeah, I so guess you have to consider one, that. Sources. Yeah, so exactly. The, 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 two of the biggest potential, you know, depending on your politics, uh, assholes of European leaders yeah. uh, of the last 50 years. Xenophobes. Uh, yeah, exactly. I've been in Finland and I had to endure the Finnish diet, so I'm in a position to make a comparison. Berlusconi. Mm-hmm. And Berlusconi, there's another story about him and we'll get onto it in a bit. The other one, after Finland, Britain is the country with the worst food, Jacques Chirac. And this is complete like, you know, France and Italy trying to put themselves above them. Like, you're, like don't punch down to Finland. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so um, what's funny is that there's a pizza chain in Finland that I'm forgetting the name of that did a reindeer, a smoked reindeer pizza. Mm. And it won an award in a pizza competition in the US and they called it the Berlusconi pizza. Nice, uh, well done. Just to piss him off. Well done. Uh, yeah, exactly. But to your point, it, it is, um, you know, what we said was that it's not Scandinavian, it's not Scandinavian, um, it's, it's Nordic. Uh, and what's funny is that the word 
Finland doesn't mean anything in Finland. It is a international word. It's like saying Germany to Deutschland kind of thing. And their word is Salmi for Finland. Uh, so if you ever watch like, the Olympics, it'll say Salmi on their shirt or whatever, which literally translates as swampland. Mm. Because of the, the uh, what do you call them, glaciers, you know, receding, it left lots and lots of like fresh water everywhere. Um, and the weird thing about Finland, the word comes, there's a couple of variations on where the name may have come from, but one of the things is that it's an old English word uh, that actually translates to people from Scandinavia. Oh, that's kind of which, ironic. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really interesting. A lot of influences from the countries around it. But if you were to sort of like categorize the food, um, a lot of rye rather than wheat, given that's a heartier uh, yep. cereal, uh, a lot of root vegetables, um, you know, it mainly turnips until the potato came in in the 1800s. Uh, a lot of freshwater fish, and then a lot of foraging, a lot of, um, you know, berries, um, which they're all the ones that I hear a lot in, which, which is weird, is that you hear a lot of these berries in the rest of Scandinavia, but also in um, sort of the Midwest, upper north Midwest of the U.S., where there was a lot of immigration. Yeah, too. exactly. So you're looking at things like... Um, Wild strawberries, cloudberries, bog bilberries, cranberries, juniper. Juniper is massive. Huge. Gin is huge. And it's a lovely Part flavor, too. Exactly. Uh, lingonberry, alpine bearberry, raspberry, crowberry. These are all names that, like, you know, are super regionalized. Yeah. And, you know, created things like loganberry, which is my daughter's name is Logan, which is the American amalgamation of a couple of European styles with American styles. And what's great about that, that, just a simple breadth of variety in in the berries is that you can go into like convenience stores and you'll get like lingonberry juice and strawberry juice and in mm -hmm. and they're they're absolutely fantastic lingonberry I and mean, that's across the nordics and lingonberry jam is just divine you know what you can get it is um flipping ikea yeah what so you know what's really interesting is i feel like if you were going to in your mind's eye amalgamate a dish that like just screamed uh nordic it'd be something like rye bread with lingonberry jam topped with dill and some sort of smoked smoked or fish served exactly yeah like exactly. a s'more bird like like you have in in, in denmark and and you, okay yeah. i mean you look at you look at what you know the, we just talked about in terms of you know they use a lot of what you find natively the root vegetables lots and lots of seafood fresh and or smoked and preserved berries pickled dill, dill and juniper which are all really fresh flavors uh yeah maybe pickled not but ju dill and juniper are really f that so that's why i have that that any association yeah, that, 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 that mentality yeah and you got to remember that like you know when when i say what food is high in vitamin c most people will say oh citrus fruits but well where did the, where did people in the northern latitudes get their Vitamin not C from for a lime juice. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It comes from like there's there's an, uh, there's more vitamin C in pine needles than there are in orange per weight, and like you know stuff like that, which is why the foraging mentality of that region is so. Um, even like when you did your episode in Copenhagen, like you can go off into the you know ten minutes from the city and forage mm. for mushrooms. That's Oslo, yeah, common. yeah. Uh, oh, sorry, yeah, Oslo. Both, both, both frankly. Yeah, so it's definitely as the articles I was reading, and this was I'm not sure if you noticed this, but unlike every other country I've ever we've ever done or any other food we've ever done, where generally I can find 
you know, the BBC has done something on it or, you know, the PBS or whatever it might be. There was so much stuff I had to do, which was only in Finnish. Mm. All of like the the traditional recipes we're looking up, there was Americanized versions of it. But if you wanted the real thing, none of the websites were in English. And so I hope Google Translate got a lot of this right. Yeah, and I think that's always a good sign. Uh, I've, there was a couple of dishes I've had from other part Ecuador, and you you Google the name of it, and all of the articles and recipe sites were in Spanish. And you're like, you know what? That's that's that means it's truly an undiscovered gem outside mm-hmm. of its if it you know hasn't escaped the the gravitational pull of its of its homeland which is exciting so before we jump on to actually t- a cup you know jumping into some of the individual um food items um i always forget this and i'm sure everyone's gonna be like oh yeah well the two biggest things in my mind that have come out of finland that everybody misattributes to another country nokia mm-hmm. and linux yeah yeah Linus Torvalds is, uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's from Finland. Yeah. And you know what? It was interesting because, you know, one of the things that, that you've mentioned here is that Finland was part of Sweden for like for 700 years and Russia as well. And I'll never forget, I went to Helsinki uh, in like 2008 for business. And I remember meeting with these two impossibly tall, irritatingly handsome Finnish guys. And they all are. And they sort of drew me this diagram of who hates who in the Nordics, <laughs> you know, and it's like basically the definition of, um, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, you know, that, that yeah. type of thing. Uh, it, I mean, it's all very, very tongue in cheek. And I, and I don't think it's it's particularly serious, but it was interesting to, to, you know, considering how sort of incestuous that relationship is between the, the Nordic countries and Russia. Yeah, I mean, and in, in any country. Well, Estonia, for a lot of people, um, Finland and Estonia have, like, the best sort of, like, sibling, you know, relationship, but, like, of, like, I look up to you, but then when you go to the uh, other Nordic countries, it's far more sibling rivalry. Um, But, you know, (laughs) Finnish people uh, per capita have more black death metal bands than anywhere else in the world. Oh, I believe it. You know. I believe it. And, you know, it's, um, they, they, yeah. I also think, not to be morbid, but I also think they have one of the highest suicide rates in the world, too. Yeah, uh, really, really bad sequitur. I apologize, but you know there is an episode of Bourdain when he goes to Finland, and they talk talk about that a lot about how it they really have a bad issue with um, sad syndrome and you know uh, alcoholism and stuff like that, which I think is getting better um, as they develop more, you know. As they are more open to travel and more open to getting out there, and yeah. more progressive uh, healthcare systems, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, yeah, not a not a not a very happy country for a long time. No, but they have some amazing food to uh, to warm the spirits if you're a visitor. And it was interesting because uh, it looked like for a while that that uh, Finland was going to be on our green list for travel. It turns out it wasn't. But uh, when uh, Paul Papa Dimitriou tweeted that out. I replied saying, "All right, we're going to do a Helsinki attaché," and he he said, "Well, well, then you you have to have this dish. It's a childhood favorite of mine, and um, the reason I'm not saying it is because I don't know how to say it." <laughs> so, okay, so there's a region of uh, Finland that used to be partially owned by Russia, and there's still a lot of like um, Russian influences in this area, and it's called. I have to get this right because I'm looking at a pronunciation guide right now. Where is it gone? 
because I don't because I almost said it as Kerala, which obviously is the in place in India, um, but it's uh, where is it gone? What the the dish? Well, no, no, no. The region is the region is Kerala, uh, Kerala, uh, K A R E L I A. Yeah, Kerala. There are a bunch of di- Karelia, sorry, Karelia, which sounds like a Karelian. Uh, yeah, you know, that's Star Trek. Karel- isn't it? Exactly, that was exactly what I was going to say. So, a couple of the dishes we're going to talk about have the K A K A R at the beginning of their name, denoting that they're from this region. Yeah, I mean, so the translation ahead, of this dish us. is is Karelian pie, but it's exactly. pronounced <laughs> Karelian pirika. Didn't sound too bad. It's a little bit like Klingon if we're going to stay in the Star Trek. Uh, <laughs> it's an extraordinary language. Sorry, Finland, for butchering your language there. Anyway, ugly name, beautiful dish. It's a uh, well. Do, what, describe it. Have you ever had it? I have not, but it, it, it's uh, it's very like uh, pierogies yes. from the other regions of uh, that that part of the world. Um, it is typical to the to the region is rye rather than a wheat bread uh, or wheat crust um, sort of open-faced pie stuffed with stodge basically mm-hmm. it's it's usually rice or a porridge like or in more recent times um, potato and then and then seasoned on top and then you know baked um, it looks like an open face Cornish pasty almost yes and um, the, the the crucial ingredient um, when it's um, finished being prepared is is butter that's mixed up with chopped up boiled egg and it's just called egg butter and then it's spread over the top of the hot dish pasty mm. almost uh, before you eat it and Paul in this tweet said that that's the most crucial part of it interestingly it's a, another one of our friends it's traditional specialty speciality guarantees so uh, yeah. If it's made outside of Finland, you cannot call them what I just tried to pronounce. So you have to call them a, a rice exactly. pasty or a potato pasty. Which I'm sure other countries are not too fussed about. Well, I don't think you can even call them a Karelian pie or Karelian pasty. You can't use right. that because that's you know, they're, once they're once they've left Finland, you can't call them that. So the traditional specialties guarantee is is like one step below the. Um, uh, what are we, what's the more broad one, like champagne or... Yeah, or yeah, the designated protected status. Exactly, which is like where it says it's from a specific town or specific... This just says that, you know, it, it's from Finland. Finland. Yeah. So it's a little broader. Um, but yeah, the next one down on the stuff from this area is Karelian Hot Pot. And uh, the... Hold on, I'm going to burp. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm going to use to bleep out the swears from now on. It's, it's not going to be the the tone. It's just going to be that. I didn't expect it to be that loud. Oh, anyway. That's um, going the Karelian, Great. The Karelian Hot Pot, which is uh, actually Karjalan. It, it sounds no, like no, 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 no. Karelian Pasty. Yeah. That, that's yeah, how you pronounce Kar- it. Yeah. Karjalan Pasti, yeah. which is Karelian hot pot. And the funniest thing was I was looking up this again, this is where I found the difference between the um the translated versions and the anglicized versions. So the anglicized websites that I found that had um had this dish 
were making it look in the photos looked like more like an American style pot roast. And the comments down below was like, I tried this and it turned out like a watery mess. You know, it's nothing like, uh, you know, what it looks like in the photo where it's thick and, and satisfying like a hot pot. And the top comment was, I am Finland. Welcome to Finland. <laughs> it was like, you know, it's, yeah, saying, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a, it's a stew in a broth. Uh, it looks great. It's, it, I mean, in a I, broth, that's really important. It's not like a thick, you're not thickening it, you're not using starch. It literally is normally pork and beef um, with uh, pap black peppercorns and allspice and carrot. That is it. And then yeah, water. It's pretty, pretty, that is it. Yeah, like, I would imagine it's a good, good winter bread. food. Good, yeah, exactly. Yes, good, and that, nice winter food. And that's actually how it came came about, which was um, you, when you started the fire to make your rye bread in the winter months, because you didn't want to like lose the heat, or the, you, wanted, you wanted to keep using the heat from the fire, you would throw this in in the dying embers to cook for about six hours to take advantage of the residual heat from whatever fire you made earlier in the day. Um, it has fallen out of fashion as far as like a more day-to-day -day meal it's much more reserved for you know uh you know once in a while or, or holidays uh because with you know women going off to work uh there isn't as much time for this so that like you know they wanted to make sure that it was you know you wouldn't do a I mean, they have invented you know crock pots and stuff like that and slow cookers so they can do it more now mm. but it, it had a drop off in the 60s and 70s yeah it's uh i think it's one of those things that's uh you know, it's it's ubiquitous, and you sort of think about it as a, as a Finnish person, but it's not something that you would have on your, you know, weekly rotation at home. No, no. Um, and apparently, there is an Estonian version, but like, you don't really find this. This is one of those ones where there was no real bleed into the into Scandinavia. This seems to be a very sort of northern Nordic, you know, Eastern Europe uh, style dish that's not very common elsewhere. Um, but the next one is very, very common uh, throughout the region, which is Laihapula, which is uh, meatballs with lingonberry sauce. So to your point about finding lingonberries everywhere. So, you know, traditional meatballs made with pork and beef or pork and beef, whatever it may be. And then, you know, drizzled with uh, a lingonberry sauce, which to me sounds great with some bread, some, you know, they said mashed potatoes, but I'm sure it would have been something else back in the you day. Can, yeah, you can get something like that. Uh, in, at uh, Ikea again, um, that's just, yeah. it's, it's so good. Lingonberry, what's, what's great about lingonberry is it doesn't, it's not like, you know, overwhelming, uh, in, in sweetness or tang, you know, and I love cranberry sauce, but you know how, uh, that's quite a, you know, it's quite, it can tart. be very, very tangy, quite very, very tart, but it's, yeah, I, I, I absolutely love it. Uh, it's, it's so good. So good. Yeah. yeah and then, like I said, the jam, I'm a big fan of the jam for the same reason. It's not overwhelmingly sweet. It's just just what you want, like a good raspberry jam. Yeah, I think that's what I, as I've got older, I, I, I'm turned off by overly sweet, um, not necessarily confections, but more in like, I don't like sweet, I don't like sweet wine. I don't like um, beer that's overly fruity um, and, you know, just normal why can't I think of the word? What's the opposite of dessert? Like, what's the opposite? Like, savory? Opposite? Savory. Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't like a lot of sweetness in my in my savory applications unless it's done like in, in Asia where they balance it with, you know, uh, a sour or mm. a tart or, uh, 
you know, some variety of yin and yang, yin and yang, uh, that I find is often lost in American food where they're just like, all right, let's put some sweet stuff on top of this savory stuff. And it doesn't really balance out that well. So I think just like my interior design, uh, you know, philosophy, my uh, food philosophy, philosophy is becoming more Northern European as I get older. No, I don't think there's anything wrong. I think that, like, I'm a huge fan of the food in Northern Europe. I really am. A lot of. Are you I, a fan? Are you a fan of this next item? Huge uh, fan. Are you freaking kidding me? All right, so this next item I put in here as a joke, even though I know it is incredibly popular. Uh, I'm going to butcher this, but salamaki. Yeah. Salamiaki. Yeah. Uh, which is salty licorice. And I know what you're saying. Mm, licorice is the best of the best of times. No, it's not. Licorice is awful. I hate licorice. No, we'll see. Uh, yeah, so you're, salty, you're tainted. Exactly. Salty licorice. Uh, and the description goes, salt gives uh, salty licorice an astringent salty taste. I think you used salt too many times in the description of something that I don't want to eat anyway. It's, um, yeah. No, it's it's nice. I I love uh, black licorice. So this is like, um, you know, it's like the tannins in a red wine, that type of astringency. Yes. No. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I don't know why, but like black licorice sounds like a black metal band for kids. <laughs> nice. There probably but, is uh, one. Yeah. It's uh, it has an anti it has an antibacterial effect that can be attributed by the neutralization of the slight acidic ammonia chloride so you're basically i was reading up on the fact that pre-eu this was relatively um um you know germany had a real big problem with finland importing it and when the eu came in they standardized this all because the level of ammonia was was not technically safe mm -hmm. i mean here's the thing i don't want to be eating anything with ammonia on it like well it's ammonium like chloride it's not ammonia it's potato potato. Yeah, it's good stuff. I like it. It's really nice. Apparently, there's an ice cream um, flavor that's very popular. Um, again, this is throughout Northern Europe, but uh, the Finnish style is is next level black metal. Um, and their most common way you'll find it are in these black diamond shapes. Um, you know, licorice. Uh, it's just not for me. It's just like there are two let's just say confectionaries. I'm using that very lightly because I don't like things that taste like cough medicine. Uh, licorice and aniseed. I both love, just not doing it for me. Yeah, aniseed I'm a big fan of. What is the aniseed um, alcohol? Pastis. Yes, yeah, not not for me. Oh, it's the thing we talk about in Croatia. They have a variation of it as well um, in the Croatia episode. But yeah, not, not for me. Yeah, I like um, it. And so the, other one, the last thing I want to touch upon, I'm sure you, if you have any others, uh, obviously stop me. But uh, obviously, if you, for those who didn't know, the most northerly region of, uh, of Finland is Lapland, where Santa comes from. Um, and obviously, Santa rides his reindeer, and that's you know very common from that region. And they eat them a lot. So you can eat uh, reindeer like a steak, and they also eat not a huge amount but they eat bear up there as well which is not common it's just in the northern reaches they are in the arctic circle so just bear that in mind oh jesus <laughs> bear that in mind i apologize well, um yeah but it, you know if you ever want to see the weirdest looking flag you've ever seen go look at the provincial flag for 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 lapland it's a caveman wearing a loincloth with a large club over his head yes 
That's their yeah, their coat of arms is pretty spectacular. Yeah. I mean, yeah. what's interesting about about I mean, reindeer is uh it, it, when you're in Helsinki or basically outside of Lapland, you'll generally see it on, you know, Finnish restaurants, like almost theme restaurants and yeah, in tourist tourist restaurants. It is it is it's not uncommon, but it's not uh I I'm I'm wondering if I can think of a uh Maybe a little bit like steak and kidney pie. Or the fact is, I was talking to, like I said, I was talking to our dad this morning about um, certain random foods that you find around here. And you can find elk on any restaurant that's, you know, doing like a significant amount of meat in, in the greater Denver area. Like that's the sort of, hey, look at us. We have this reindeer. Like not everybody gets it, but it's on the menu. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, you know, I've had... Um reindeer burger i've had reindeer steak i've had it in this other sort of traditional way where they they slice it up uh and it's almost prepared in almost like carnitas so it's then fried Mm -hmm. you know you cook it and it's fried and fat crispy and you have it with almost invariably mashed potatoes and um lingonberry on the side it's lovely it's it's delicious Mm. it's still absolutely delicious i can't remember what episode it was on the last go around um but we were talking about in that episode um you had taken the boys to see santa and santa was wasted um oh and yeah on, yeah and i remember on that episode talking about how you know in certain parts of the world uh people drink reindeer piss because it's uh they've been eating hallucinogenic mushrooms and it gives you a nice high that's lapland yeah in lapland the people drink distilled reindeer piss because they eat these hallucinogenic shrooms and it gives you a nice sort of buzz yeah so, good times yeah <laughs> um there you go yeah was there anything that on the food wise that like what have you had because i've never been yeah so uh, th- that part of northern europe uh obviously is surrounded by lots of different you know bodies of water either the the North Sea or the or the Baltic when you're going towards Finland, and of course you know Finland, you can from Helsinki or from from Saint Petersburg you can be in Finland in two and a half hours. You can take a ferry from Helsinki to Tallinn, the capital of Estonia, in a couple of hours. Uh, so you you know you're really close to all of these these other influences as we talked about. But one of the things that always strikes me about that region is just the fish uh, and the seafood in general, like herring. Baltic herring, delicious, fatty, small, um, and you get it like pickled or marinated, smoked, grilled, just such a really, really nice flavor. Obviously smoked salmon, gravlax, um, mm. which is raw, salted salmon, not smoked, and then smoked salmon. And then um, if you are in, um, well, yeah, I'm in Finland, but a lot of the Nordics, but especially Finland, in the summer... Um, their crayfish is outstanding. Uh, it's not hmm. it's not cheap, um, but it's it's really really good, and it's it's kind of part of this of these rituals, um, which invariably vo- involve very very cold vodka. Uh, so it's uh, if you don't like crayfish at the beginning, you certainly will by the end, and it's yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. There's the 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 seafood is alone is is worth uh is worth making a detour for yeah and so one of the last things that i was we were talking about before jumping online was um the much 
divisive Big Mac index on Attaché, which what you spend most of your time getting yelled at for yeah. in the comments because people think you're sponsored by Ronald. Which or they not. just think that but it's uh, McDonald's is the devil. Yeah, which they exactly. missed the point. So we were talking about potentially if a country that we're talking about has McDonald's, then we could give you the Big Mac index for that country um, sort of like a, as a standard candle as we move through these episodes. So um, I was trying to find the information before we jumped in. Um, hold on. Because I looked at two different things, and they both have wildly different indexes. So, Well, so it's worth mentioning that Finland was not on the original – is not on the original Economist Big Mac index. Um, it's, it's neighbors are Sweden and Norway, which are number two and three on the, on the cost list. Um, but it's included in the Euro area, which is kind of dumb, uh, because Denmark, uh, is on there as well. Um, and so are we, I would imagine that it's up there. It's not nearly as expensive as its friends in Denmark, Norway, and Sweden, but it's still pretty expensive. So here we go. It's based in U.S. dollars. So what did you say? Uh, so Finland is saying $4.97. Yeah, so that would put to... it um, at around number 10. And th so the Big Mac Index is a way of measuring purchasing power parity between different countries. So if you basically take the national Big Mac price in U.S. dollars, and then you can you can compare the same good across multiple um countries and so switzerland for the record is the most expensive so what is do you have in front of you because like i have switzerland at seven dollars and 16 cents yeah 7.29 okay so like depends on when this was last updated uh the one i'm looking so the one i'm looking at the the one i find most interesting we'll go through the ones that like you know who who we've already covered but argentina a buck 82 because they're Hyperinflation. Yeah, so, I mean, for uh, when when we lived there, Hong Kong was the cheapest and most ubiquitous in, um, in the world. It's two sixty four. Two sixty four. So it's like it's down towards the bottom of the of the list there. So who have we done? We have done Australia. Let's see. Australia's here. up there. Australia's uh, five bucks. All right, Belgium, five bucks, five or seven according to my list. Um, we did Croatia, three fifty two. And then it is not in Ethiopia. It will be in it will be in the UAE, which is four bucks on the nose. There you go. Dubai, there you and go. and then Finland at four ninety seven. So it's like you know a little bit lower than some of the ones we've already covered. Yeah. Not all of them. Um, so yeah, if you want to hear the Big Mac Index for the future episodes, let us know. I think it's a nice, as I said, standard candle. But we've got the last section to cover. We know the Finns like to drink. Um, but so we got to talk about what they drink. And so it is vodka. Finnish vodka is very, very famous. Um, the most famous brand that they seem to want to put out is, uh, Finlandia, mm. which, okay. Uh, is made from barley and glacial spring water. Um, and seems to be probably, I mean, I'm sure there's loads and loads of different varieties, but when you type in, Finnish vodka or you know uh, vodka culture. This seems to be yeah, and Koskinkorva or Kosu is which is right. the local brand. Um, and yeah, I I drink all types of whiskey. I like gin. I like uh, you know the brandies of the world and the fortified wines. I hate tequila, and I'm okay on rum. Vodka. I'll drink, 
I'll drink it in cocktails, but I'm not a sipping vodka person. Uh, no, vodka seems like a means to an end. <laughs> well, that's actually really funny you mentioned that because I was reading on a thing that we'll get onto the last, the more famous thing in a second, but because it, it relates, Finland had uh, a prohibition for a long time. Um, and also it is exp it was expensive to have alcohol. So the article I was reading was like, what is the quickest way to get messed up in a short period of time, mm. which is why grain alcohol, you know, pushing 40, 50% was so popular in, in Finland. Obviously it's popular elsewhere in that region, but it wasn't to be refined. It was to get drunk fast. Uh, and to your point, a means to an end. Yeah. And I think, um, to, to that end, uh, there's a, there's a drink called Salmari, which is, um, the taking the licorice that you love so much, the salty licorice, um, mm -hmm. and, uh, using it to mask the taste of, uh, the alcohol. <laughs> kind of like, uh, a lime and salt for yeah, crap tequila. Exactly. And in some, they, um, you add a fisherman's friend, menthol, cough drop to the alcohol which is called a fish shot yeah like i can't i can't you know say anything i made skittles vodka with with uh with Je uh greg back in college so oh, yeah I, you know uh there are one or two people who are very important to me who have unhealthy relationships with vodka and they know who they are probably <laughs> still recovering from their hangover but yeah. so had you had you heard of the official unofficial no. drink of finland so it's called Lonkero, uh, otherwise known as Finnish Long Drink. Uh, really interesting story behind this. So one, it is now got a Vogue in the U.S. and you can find this company that's called Finnish Long Drink. It sounds delicious. Can. Yeah, anywhere it, that does like, you know, your, your what do you call it, Bev, Bev Mo's or your Total Wines and Beverages, all these kind of places will sell this. It is a gin cocktail. As we talked about, gin is super important to this region. Um, you know, unlike Russia, where it's vodka, 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 uh, you know, Finland has that balance of gin and vodka. It is, it was invented for the 1952 Winter Olympics in Helsinki. Reason being is that, like I said, they had a prohibition a couple decades before, and sale of alcohol and production of alcohol was still nationalized by the government, or privatized. Um, what? It was nationalized. And they were moving towards potentially giving privatized contracts or just like giving, you know, individual companies some contracts. And they knew that there was going to be a bunch of, you know, foreigners and, and tourists coming in who would expect a little bit more uh, ubiquity of, of alcohol. So they commissioned two types of cocktail. One of it didn't last like more than 10 years, but the other one was this gin cocktail, the Finnish long drink, which is gin and grapefruit soda. That's the, the original. Often, you know, it's got different variations on it. And it's like a beer at around five and a half to 6%. And it's a cocktail in a can and it's just become this it's got no real pedigree beyond the 1950s, but is now like their official drink. But doesn't that sound good? Like if it was cold it does, as it hell, like, oh my God, this sounds amazing. And yeah, and like they say that you can find ones that, you know, grapefruit soda, but then with a splash of cranberry or a splash of uh, lime or mint. And I think we talked about this on the show before, but like our dad became obsessed with Spanish uh, gin and tonics, which had... Um, uh, he, the ones that he made at home was Tanqueray 25 or Tanqueray 20, like the slightly better version of Tanqueray um, with uh, tonic water and then a huge slice 
of grapefruit rather than a lime in it. And that was like his favorite way to have gin and tonics recently. And I feel like this is almost quite, you know, you know, similar to that. And I, I'm going to go try and find some because we're a gin and tonic house. Um, and if it's getting hot in Colorado, so if that does, it, it definitely sounds like there, uh, so. the, 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 it definitely sounds like a, a worthwhile experiment. And I think I need, if there's any Finnish people out there, oh, Paul, um, what kind of gin are you supposed to be using? Because we've, we've talked about this before. Gin runs the gamut between British, extremely dry gin to highly botanicalized or highly botanical and herbed gin. What one are you supposed to use if you're not buying this prepackaged? Um, because we are Tanqueray, um, a Hendrix, a Bombay, Bombay Sapphire kind of house. We're a British, British gin, mm-hmm. not a... Not a any of this colonial crap. Yeah. Um, yes. No, it sounds great. I don't, know, I wanna, I I don't drink some. gin that often. I drink whiskey. Irish whiskey has been my kick recently. Nice. Yeah, I need yes. to get I need to get back into the whiskey. I haven't had some in, in a long time. Yeah. So before we wrap up, uh, I, when I was doing my research for this, stumbled across a statistic that I actually triple-checked because it sounded so implausible, but it, it's, it's true that Finland, or the Finns consume more coffee per capita than any other country on earth interesting isn't that weird i wonder why is is do they have any famous brands that like we think are swedish but are actually finnish i i don't think so i just it's just one of those things they are uh they i think it's like 26 pounds of coffee per person per year is consumed i mean you got to do something to keep yourself awake during this Eight day, eight months of no sunlight. Four, four, four cups um, per person on average a day. Uh, yeah, I, I, I thought that so implausible, or just you know, really, it's not somewhere like the U.S. or Colombia or whatever. They're not, or Italy. Nope, the Finns. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. But, but it's um, right. it's a, it's such a great country. It's so beautiful. The whole, I'm, I'm a big fan of the Nordics. I'm going to Denmark. Arjus next month if if they go on our green list uh yeah i just uh it's it's interesting but but digging into that statistic a little bit more the top four are finland norway iceland and denmark is is it cheap i don't know nothing is cheap in in there it's just uh i I, it's just consumed all day whereas in italy you know after lunch god help you you don't do it um, yeah, it's all the Netherlands, Sweden, Switzerland, Belgium, Luxembourg. Uh, you don't get outside of the greater Europe, Europe area until number 10 at Canada. Uh, Italy's 13. Hmm. The U S is 25. Yeah. On the but list. What's interesting is like all this country you just mentioned, plus Canada, they're all massively Northern shit. latitude. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Massive Northern latitude. So that there's something in that yeah. it comes from hot, it comes from hot countries. But nobody drinks it in the countries that's being produced. No, it uh, it makes it makes sense when you when you think about it that way. But yeah, I, I if you've never been up to that part of the world, it's staggeringly beautiful. Uh, the Northern Lights in Lapland. There's all these wonderful little hotels you can stay in that where you sort of stay in a dome. Um, mm. And this, you know, even if the the I've yet to do it, but it's definitely on my my bucket list. The um, you, know, you say it's localized to your kitchen. Yes, at this time <laughs> of year. In your yes, at, at this latitude, <laughs> uh, yes, I would. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's great, and I think um, you know the perpetual summer that you get, you know, just 
perpetual daylight is 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 really really cool too. Or the mosquitoes. Fins. Yes, is that a thing? Midges, yeah. Yeah. yeah oh, I can imagine oh midges. Yeah. So let's uh, let's finish up. No. That no. 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 Had to squeeze that so in. So bad. Well, you know, you got to squeeze in one more thing. Yes. Until next time. Get this. I knew that because it sounds like cat piss. Get this. Yes. Nice. Apparently, that's a really formal way to say it. Like, there's more like, that's like, to your health kind of thing. Mm -hmm. no, um, compared to, like, you know, let's get this. Uh, there we go. <laughs>